I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome, everybody, to the midweek footsie. Something about playing with feet in your midweek. Way uh, this in the midweek footsie, we generally answer a question that somebody asks us in the comments of uh, either this video or previous videos, and we just we just kind of rip a bit and and share our opinions of. Uh, something you guys asked. So today we have uh, Steve D and Steve W with me, and we're going to answer a question from Ralphie Baby Twenty Three. Uh, it looks like did this go on come from Instagram? It did, yes. Oh, Instagram. So what are we on Instagram uh, at playing underscore footsie? That's us. Oh, very good. See, I got that. Um, yeah, we're all on there, and we're all just uh, we're following other other content creators. We're we're messing about, and we share loads of different stuff on there. Um, so today, Ralphie Baby Twenty Three asks, "Love the podcast episode this week." Uh, I take it that was last week with you guys because I've been on for two weeks. Yeah, good good work uh, holding down the fort. <laughs> um, looking forward to buy some merch on payday. Merch, merch, merch. Bristol Myers Squid. Uh, oh, we're pushing. We're, we're just corporate <laughs> whores now, aren't we? Really? <laughs> you got your little taste of uh, uh, the WhatsApp boxes, and now you're just running after all the merch. Um, You've had it for free. Now you'll pay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but we'd love to ask a question for future episodes. I would love to know your guys' take on letting your winners run. But when do you actually sell those winners? Even if you believe in the company you invested in wholeheartedly, it never hurts to take profits. Was this related to Tesla by any chance? I don't know. I don't think we said anything about Tesla while you were away. Um, so I don't think it's about that particularly. But first things first, I guess. I'm more talking about the time. I'm more talking about the timing because obviously it had that huge run, which mm-hmm. would have been around the time that this was asked, I guess. But yeah, um, so what do we think? Uh, letting the runners run? Uh, should we sell? Oh, there's so much to unpack here, guys. Uh, where should we start? Well, first things first, I guess, congratulations on having some winners, right? I mean, that's always a nice thing to have. It's a nice thing to be thinking about with these sorts of things. You, I sometimes feel like I have the opposite question of, oh, crap, this thing's going down. What do I do now? Uh, and bad news is coming out, so it's kind of changing my view on stuff. Uh, but letting your winners run is an interesting idea. It's one that I'm thinking about at the moment, and I'll tell you the company that I'm thinking about it with a little bit. Uh, the company I'm thinking about it with is Legal and General, which I bought back in um, deepest, darkest pandemic time. Um, and so that's been a bit of a winner. Uh, and it does pay a sort of reasonable dividend as dividends go. So I could sit around collecting what was a good yield on my initial uh, investment from back then. Or I could think that this stock is now going to trade flat for quite a while and I don't know quite how much that dividend is going to get hyped by in any interesting way. So it's a question that I'm thinking about for myself, I think. And the question that where this comes down to for me is, do I think I can put it somewhere better? Um, and 
until something kind of obvious screams at me. So with legal in general, I'm going to collect a dividend of a X percent, more or less. I need to be fairly convinced I'm going to do better than that by putting it somewhere else. Um, until something screams at me and says, this is clearly better, uh, I'm going to leave it where it is, I think. So my general instinct on letting your winners run is... I'm not worried about this one coming back down, uh, for what it's worth. I, I think more the risk now as it goes sideways, because I don't think it's run miles beyond what its fair value is or would be. Um, so my general sense is that there's no immediate pressing need to sell. I can sit and wait on this kind of thing. Um, but that's where I come down on this kind of thing, I think. So with you, Steve, do you, so I suppose with value, it's different to growth in that really I'm looking at something, picking something up in the billion to 10 billion kind of range and letting it run up to 100 billion or something like that before I'm thinking about selling. So with you, do you consider like, you know, you think the price should be X when it runs 25, 30% above that, maybe it's time to look for the next one to find, you know, that's going to complete that run or are you kind of looking as well at the long-term growth of it as a second part of... I'm kind of looking at both of those things. I mean, I think if I'm looking at for uh, the longer-term earnings and I'm looking for the longer-term share price, and if I think the share price is running away uh, from the earnings a bit, then, yeah, I'll probably look at taking that and putting it somewhere else because um, I think I tend to think eventually that will correct um, and I'll come back to it when it does. And if it doesn't, I'll leave it where it is in the new place. So I'm, <clears throat> I guess I'm, I have to explain my position on it really is that I'm looking for small companies or small air companies growing fast. So I try to plot a, a path for them to grow to X size, looking at comparatively where they can grow. It's very hard at some companies because sometimes there genuinely isn't anything bigger than them, uh, especially if you're looking at something like Teladoc. It's very difficult to to actual model how that looks over time. Um, since they're saying they want to be a front of house for hospitals, obviously that makes the addressable market look a lot bigger than, than what you would have um, originally thought it would be so i'm looking for two things really i'm looking for exponential growth in their earnings and when that starts to slow that's one of the reasons i would think to sell i'm looking for reaching a valuation that i think is approaching ludicrous which is when i got rid of tesla at about i don't even know what it was i think it was about 150 billion was for me experiencing what i thought was a fairly ludicrous valuation at the time uh, and i sold it and, and that can obviously be a, a, a poor mistake depending on what you how you look at poor mistakes i made quite a lot of money out of that i could have made a lot more money i have since made money from other companies as well um, but i also have a core portfolio which is run very similar to the way that you do in that i value the companies i have a set idea and a set path for them to follow if they were to reach that path they'd generally get cut uh, in looking for another opportunity, which I tend to have because with the podcast, I tend to look at a hell of a lot of stocks and your DMs are always packed with me sending you the new company of the day. I always tend to have another company in the wings uh, that I think is fairly well valued. Um, but yeah, so that's my idea. So basically I will, I'm happy to let, let winners win uh, and I'm happy to add to my winners as well, which I have done on a number of occasions, ASML poll. Um, so yeah, I mean that my mentality seems like it's very similar to yours, but it just has the growth aspect sort of tacked on as well. How about you, Paul? How, how's yours go? So it's worth probably considering why this question has been asked, uh, because we do see the market at stupid valuations at the moment, and everyone's it makes it makes me feel that this question has been asked because there's a bit of tension in the air right now and maybe there's going to be a bit of a cool off bit of a pullback at some point and i've got i've got stocks 
exactly like this that I kind of think of and I go, I mean, we can talk about loads. We've got Disney is one where we can all say that's pretty ridiculously overvalued or at least has been. And now we've felt that little bit of pullback now and really we should be buying into it. Uh, KLA is my kind of antithesis to uh, to um, ASML and it hasn't done as well as ASML, but it's uh, it's the one I chose instead. And it's done extremely well. And I feel right now it's ridiculously overvalued. It's ridiculously extended. And I'm looking at it going, ah, there's there's a good thousand pound profit there. Should I really be taking it? And then I do think to myself, exactly the same as Steve W, I kind of go, ah, where else would I put it? And right now I I just don't see me being able to take uh, two grand out of, say, KLA and put put it all and make my BMY position into a foreground part of my portfolio, make it sort of 10, 15 part, percent of my portfolio. So I'm kind of like, I'm kind of torn myself. I've, I've got similar things. Um, what I'm sort of edging towards here is, is kind of my entire idea of actually holding stocks, which is to buy, no matter what I'm interested in, whether it's like a, uh, a good uh, a good value stock or one I consider to have a lot of cro- growth going forward. Uh, I'm kind of thinking my portfolio as just one big ETF that I want to consider dollar cost averaging into over the t- over the course of time. So generally, when I'm buying a stock, as painful as it is to see KLA right now and go ah, this really looks like it's going to pull back like 30%. It really could pull back 30%. Rather than than taking that chance and missing out on that future growth, I'm more willing just to stay in. So if I bought Tesla at $50 back in the day, I'd probably still be holding it now and I probably wouldn't have uh, probably wouldn't have sold out or at least I'd like to think so. Now this isn't always I don't always stick by this. Albemarle is one that sticks into into my head as a company which I saw was ridiculously overvalued and I sold it off right at the top. But I think it did its pullback. I think it's even doing quite well this week. I haven't checked that, but uh, I think it's coming back at the moment because lithium's doing really well. And Albemarle was one that st- stood out for me on that because I could still be making a lot of money from it. Um, but then on the other hand, you've got ETFs such as INRG, which are sold out at the top as well, never recovered, uh, still probably 30% down. So I do worry about that. And I kind of hold the belief now that if you pick a company, just stay with it because generally it's going to go up over time with the market. And all you're trying to do is find companies that outpace uh that's my simplistic view because i don't think i'm too experienced in the markets right now i uh, haven't been through a crash i haven't held on to my money through a crash so i don't feel like i have i have the experience to say this is what i should be doing so ultimately right now i'm still very much a dollar cost average person uh into the market all the time and i consider my own portfolio as one big etf which i generally don't sell so that's my point of view, but I can, I totally consider, I totally understand why people would want to, uh, do the whole buy high, uh, sell, uh, buy low, sell high idea, because that's how people have made their money in the past. If you listen to, uh, any of the, uh, big investors over the past few years, they've all made these decisions. They've all sold out at the top and that's how they've made their 30 odd percent gains per year. Uh, 
how do you guys feel about just kind of holding on forever and just hoping? I think when you get to the point where you're looking at um, a company or a stock in your portfolio that has a nice green number next to it and you find yourself getting quite attached to that green number and you don't want to see that mm. green number become any smaller, right? Because it's your uh, first double or your first um, five bagger or whatever it is or something. I think that's time to let it go. Um, I think by the time you start worrying about that kind of thing, it's time to move on to the next thing. And don't worry what happens to it next, right? If it goes up again, never mind. If it comes down again, uh, never mind, basically. If it's the case that you're looking at it and thinking, I really, really don't want that number to get any smaller, my kind of gains on this thing, get it out of there, basically. And be happy with what you've got in that situation. I mean, this is definitely true with what about winners. Yeah. What about watching and waiting? Because, like, I can bring it back to KLA there, and um, I'm now not—I'm not in a position where I'm looking at that and going, "I want to buy this right now." Mm. So, is that a cue for me to just say I really should be selling it? Not necessarily. I don't think everything that you own is either automatically another buyer or a sell uh, for you. You mm. can absolutely watch and wait in this thing, but I, I think I would probably watch and wait if I was okay with thinking. I'm fine if that, I don't know how much you are up on KLA, but if that number comes down a bit, I'm going to be perfectly fine with that. I'll look to try and buy it again. Mm. So a good example of this yeah, is... I can see it being very, very painful. Southern Copper yeah, for me and Steve. I can Steve. see it being quite painful. Uh, Southern Copper yeah. has been up yeah. uh, for the two of us, and it did double at one point. And it's a very cyclical thing because it's a minor. Uh, and it's come back down again since then. Um, and now we're, I've bought again actually since then. So I'm well, well short of where I was before, but I'm fine with that. I'm happy about the outlook for copper. I'm very happy about the outlook for Southern copper. Um, yes, quite a bit of our kind of share price appreciation got pulled forward, I think probably faster than it should have done, uh, in all honesty. Um, and things have kind of settled themselves down a little bit now, but, um, I'm perfectly content to sit and wait on that. And I don't mind the fact that the amount I was up on that used to be a lot more than it now is and of course we've got the the past history of people who do have the, the phrases let your winners win or winners win or let your runners run and i think that's a dave gardner and um motley fool kind of thing uh mm -hmm. and they've made a lot of money uh based on that right yeah but they're very very good at picking very small two to sort of $10 billion companies and letting them run into trillion dollar companies. They're very good at spotting companies uh, that run from sort of small to big. Uh, so it's very tricky. The only, the, the, I guess the thing is, is that when you have as many companies as they have that have gone 10, 20 and 30 bag, it doesn't matter about all the little ones that only do 20 or 30% in 10 years because you have a clear winner. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess just onto your point about, letting things run. Um, I mean, I'm more than happy to let things run. Um, there's quite a few stocks that I will just let sit and run forever. Um, one of the things about overvaluation in a market is that there's two ways it ends, and it ends in a big crash, or it ends in stagnation and the earnings catch up. And everybody loves to predict the crash because you get a load of clicks out of it and you get to become a superhero when it becomes right. Um, but if markets stagnate and, um, and earnings catch up eventually, you're just another Robert Kiyosaki. So really, it's about choosing your path. Um, which one do you want to be, Paul? <laughs> I just want to uh, make some money. That's all I really want to do. Uh, I, I'm fed up with the clickbait videos. I think a lot of other people are fed up with the clickbait videos as well. Same. And I hope, I, I really hope that common sense will prevail at some point here. Uh, I really, really hope. Um, the human race doesn't, <laughs> doesn't suggest that, though. 
I will say, I'm not buying Steve's defeatism here. I think one or both of us is going to beat David Gardner. Uh, I'm, I'm putting that out there uh, for the moment. What, I think wait, we're, not, beating, not, we're beating him already. Me. Am I uh, not going to be able to beat Dave Gardner? Well, no, you didn't play. <laughs> so, uh, no, sorry, default. I didn't, didn't no. play in your game, did I? <laughs> but yes, uh, you, you sing when no, you're winning in this situation, so we have to both point yeah. out that as of this moment, we are both ahead. Um, next week, we'll go quiet because we'll be losing again. <laughs> I saw just a general point actually, which I saw was quite funny. I saw somebody say that if your games are good enough to post in the Discord, they're good enough to realise. And I thought that might be an interesting point to uh, to live by. I like that idea. Ooh. What, you, what? So you're thinking you've got you've got great games? You should sell. Is that what you're trying to say? No. If you if you're if you if you think they're that good that you want to post them in the Discord and show everyone, they're probably good enough to realise. <laughs> I do think wow. there's a dangerous um, line of thinking here somewhere though that says look if I sell my biggest winner the percent number at the top of my portfolio is going to get cut in half and then people are going to look at that, me and be like you crap. make 4% yeah I know it's a terrible idea uh, it's going to be left with 100% of, thinking, of my portfolio right? in squid going to sell all uh, my red things and then be up uh, 25% in the last week yeah in um, it, I have no doubt that there's some some people out there doing that on their on their YouTube channels and things like that. I, I couldn't give a shit, but I reckon trading two or two is going to bring in some sort of money way to return into their their newer newer yeah. systems. Uh, I think it is going to happen because social media and stuff is so important to the to the the subscriber growth of trading two or two and all of the other um, platforms as well. Uh, I think they they're going to have to make it more. You know, shareable, share friendly, and they've done it. Yeah, recently, more sexy. They? Yeah, they've done it recently. They've um, tried. They've put like a feature in where you can blur out your numbers. So when you're showing, Ooh. you like as your friend, like when you're yeah. showing your friend, privacy mode. You, yeah, privacy mode. So, um, <clears throat> like if you want to show your mates, oh look how much money I'm earning, or like look what stocks I'm investing in, but they can't see your money. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to encourage that sort of sharing between people. Um, interesting, interesting how important word of mouth and uh, social media is for companies like Trading Two on Two right now. I both love and hate that for what it's worth um, because this is a thing that I used to think about quite a lot. I thought when I first discovered that people like Warren Buffett, like Bill Gates, like, you know, famous investors have their portfolios public. I thought, this is great. I just copy their things. Uh, Oh, there's Bill Gates. He owns loads and loads of waste management. Uh, And Buffett owns loads and loads of Apple. And they're not buying them at anything like today's prices, which is partly what Mm -hmm. turned me on to value investing a little bit. Ever thought of saying... No, no, the importance of this investment to Bill Gates, to Warren Buffett, is that Buffett was buying this in 2016, or whenever it was. Not that Mm. he's buying it now, in a certain way. Um, And that kind of is, that was a kind of, a big light bulb moment for me, sort of, back in the day. And so I can imagine myself seeing a Paul Briscoe portfolio with the numbers blurred out and being like, buy KLA, even though you kind of think it's quite high at the moment, and aren't really doing that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got the little little sharing thing, where people, like, click the link, and they can... uh, copy your portfolio and stuff it's just got bit written in big big letters on it some of these stocks are severely overvalued at this point and probably not a good idea to buy like i've got got to be so clear when people are looking at like my portfolio that uh, jesus some of these some of these stocks i'm not buying at the moment i've just got them and i'm holding and it's very important it comes back to the question that you know you just got to be very very clear on on what's actually being bought and 
what are we just up on and that we we are waiting to come back down because that it's essentially what i'm asking right is i'm i'm, I'm essentially like if we go to kla uh, i'm essentially saying oh what i'm 60 60 percent up i have averaged into that a little bit um i'm waiting now for the earnings to justify that price or i'm waiting for the stock price to fall basically that's basically <clears throat> that that, does... they're my two choices that does beg the question, though, doesn't it? Why are you holding on to something that you wouldn't be prepared to buy today? Exactly, exactly. It's it's a massive. Um, it's the whole reason for this question, isn't it? It's what we've just discussed for the past twenty. Basically, minutes. Paul's next video. I've sold my entire portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, this this is it, right? Um, like, even if you don't, uh, mate, just use it as a clickbait title. <laughs> yeah. If we if we if we're talking in maxims, like that's what we have to do these days. And, and the fact that so much social media is is just on sheer maxims and and uh, mm. like just you're either left wing or right wing maybe i should be selling everything and never buying anything any, any any at all and that's what everybody should be doing right we should all be out until we see some uh, um, i suppose that's the warren buffett way uh, at the moment 149 billion in cash he's out and he's waiting he's waiting for uh, a dip as far as he we can tell. He is, but he's not a big seller when things get overpriced. I mean, if he took, and I get that you can't with some of the positions that he has, right? It's difficult to physically unload, uh, not physically mm. unload, but well, it's difficult to unload that much American Express or Coke or Apple or whatever, um, just in terms of the volume of the thing. But he's not really showing that much sign, Apple aside maybe, of thinking, oh, this is overpriced or I think this is overpriced, I wouldn't buy it here, I should sell it in that case. I mean, he definitely has a room for mm. thinking, well, it was undervalued before, it's not now, I'll just sit here and wait and see what happens for a bit. Yeah, and it's worth saying, like, the whole point of value investing, the only thing that keeps me uh, as a kind of value investor type person uh, through the past two years um, is the fact that Warren Buffett bought Apple at a P of, like, 11 in 2015, and that was probably one of the biggest and best value investment trades of probably all time, really. Um, and it's really, really important to, to, to notice that you can still find these companies in value. They might be few and far between. Um, and what we're trying to do is be wrong less uh, as value investors. Uh, as growth, you know, finding those small companies, you're trying to be right a few times. That's kind of how it seems to work. You need to buy 10 and hopefully two of them outweigh the rest of the the losses of the eight or the small gains of the eight. But in the value investing type, you're, you're going for your 20% returns here and there, but uh, hopefully you're going to find it. I don't like the term cigar, but style investing, but uh, uh, because that suggests that we're, we're, we're buying into dead companies. And apparently in 2015, Apple was dead. Uh, um, 2000 and 2001 as well didn't microsoft bail them out so there's a lot of different like things in there as far as uh value investing goes and i think we've answered the question there do you think um, yeah as best as we can so uh thank you very much for listening today ralphie baby ralphie baby uh, <laughs> for listening to the to the podcast today i hope we've answered your question kind of i think we're probably just hogged it up a little bit more actually haven't we um uh but uh yeah thank you very much for, to everyone for listening to the midweek footsie uh we'll see you next week
Suckers going up. 